Welcome to the Wild and Free Podcast, Episode 12. I'm Ainsley Arment with Tina Ingold, and today we're talking about finding kindred spirits on this homeschooling journey. We also talk about whether it's too late to reignite the wonder in a child who's lost their love of learning. And finally, we're going to join a conversation between Jennifer Pepito and Tony Weber, all about reading aloud and homeschooling teenagers. So grab a cup of coffee and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. an amazing everything she does is just done so well and she's a seasoned homeschooling mom is tony homeschool by heart Mm. she has been so encouraging to me lately it's crazy and one of her stories made me cry because Mm -hmm. it was just exactly what i needed to hear in that moment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it had to do with the end of the year losing my wits Mm -hmm. just you know I'm ready to be outside the spring fever all that and she was talking about how it's so normal for that to happen she said it happens to every mom that she knows and so she kind of gave some suggestions you know some of them were only focus on a couple things a day you don't have to do your full schedule or what you normally do and her main point was make this be guilt free no guilt she said if it's feeling torturous to finish the book close it and walk away it'll still be there next fall your kids will not fall behind Mm. we are not racing to a finish line we're choosing a pace that brings life remember sweet mama friends no guilt allowed only freedom Mm. i I love that wild and free and tony's so great and she's been homeschooling for 24 years is that it i mean 23 or 24 years (laughs) i I can't remember which her last child is a freshman in high school this year so she's been doing it a long time and she has just so much warmth and encouragement to offer Mm -hmm. I love her so I definitely look to those seasoned Mm -hmm. veteran Mm -hmm. homeschooling moms for advice and encouragement and inspiration and I love that there are so many out there that we can go to and follow absolutely I feel the same way about talking with Jennifer Pepito who's been doing this 17 or 18 years and she has Mm -hmm. a couple of adult children that have graduated and gone to college and Terry Woods is another one. But it's great to turn to the mamas who are Mm -hmm. in the trenches. Yes. (laughs) I feel like that's where we are when we still have littles. And I don't have babies anymore, so I'm not doing the nursing while I'm reading to the kids anymore. But all of that is hard, too, when you feel like you're really in the trenches. So it's great to be able to have those Mm -hmm. friends, too, that you can turn to. For sure. Yes. And And that's actually how Wild and Free began, is that I didn't know any of these seasoned homeschoolers. You know, I didn't have people that I met in real life before I got started started that had gone before and had all these amazing stories to tell. And I hadn't quite found them online yet either. Um, I didn't read a ton of books about homeschooling before we just kind of jumped in free willy. So who I turned to was the moms in the trenches because I figured we're all in this together and they're sharing great ideas because they're actually doing them. They're Mm -hmm. doing it. In fact, sometimes I think I was a better homeschooler my first and second year because I was being so creative and coming up with all these Uh great ideas that I've just kind of settled into (laughs) like a daily routine now and I forget to pull out the Mm -hmm. fun and creative stuff at times. So Mm -hmm. I think that being new doesn't mean that you don't have great ideas 
ideas and aren't an incredible teacher and guide for your children. We can learn from all the different stages, but Wild and Free began just from learning from others who were in this together. They might have been doing it a few years, but it was really just a community of moms who were homeschooling together. Yeah, and I think it's good for us to really seek out those kinds of moms. I know that we've mentioned this, but I think a really great way is to start by searching for a Wild and Free group in your area. I think that's a really great way to connect with other homeschooling moms. Um, My sister-in-law, my husband's sister, she um, moved a couple years ago to a new area in Ohio and didn't know anyone. And she's homeschooling. And I think she's still having a hard time connecting with other moms. So I think there are so many moms out there that really are having a hard time either connecting or just haven't connected with other homeschooling moms Mm, yet. And mm -hmm. I think that's really important. So I know that there's groups out there, but just be as intentional as you can about seeking them out. Because even if you and your husband are on the same page, so you have your husband to bounce ideas and things off of, I still think it's so important to have other women or other moms that we're really engaged with and bouncing ideas off of and venting and all that. I think we really as women need that support. Sometimes seasons change. You might be in a season right now where you don't feel like you have your tribe. You know, there's local co-ops, but you just don't feel like you fit in. I've been there Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you still meet amazing people, but a lot of finding your tribe is chemistry and you can't really control that. You know, you can hang out with people that homeschool and you can let your kids interact with their kids and it can be great and meet a need, but you still feel that, "Mm, I just haven't found my tribe and that's okay. There Mm -hmm. is a season Mm -hmm. for everything. And just like this past year, I accidentally, I don't believe it was an accident, but you know, I just sort of fell into a great relationship with my dear friend Hannah and we met through Wild and Free, but we just had great chemistry and we, neither of us were in a co-op. We both tried to get into the same co-op just so that our kids could have one day a week where they went and they took a math class or a fun science class because it had been a couple years that I hadn't done anything. So I thought, oh, I'm going to try that. And she ironically had tried to do the same thing and neither of us got in closed off in like 15 minutes of registration so we then found out that we were doing the same science curriculum through beautiful feet books and we didn't know each other all that well but we just decided to start meeting together weekly and it's been amazing and it's just the two of us you know you don't have to have 50 families (laughs) which is wonderful but it's just the two of us Mm -hmm. and we get together once a week and you know that's a new season for us but we've had other Mm -hmm. seasons of being a part of co-ops and then also seasons of not having really anybody and feeling kind of lonely Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be a year I mean it could change spring to fall Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. you know with finding a wild and free group moms write in all the time asking I don't have a wild and free group near me can you help me find one nearby and I'd really encourage them to put their name out there and then mention it on Facebook because people Mm -hmm. come out of the woodwork I definitely agree with that I mean when my friend Heather and I started this I was like who even is gonna join this group or who's gonna see this I had no idea and like I said it's up to around 30 and I don't even personally know most of these moms I mean I'm getting to know right. them but it, yeah it's amazing you're exactly right they do come out of the woodwork and I know it is different living in a city mm-hmm. and maybe more remote areas it would be a little bit more of a challenge to find something or you might have to drive a little bit further but it's worth investing in and in other people and but yeah maybe your community just has to be online for a mm-hmm. little while and I think that's okay too you're exactly right about there's different seasons so I think well even if you just, just know one other person yeah. like you knew your friend yeah. Heather and even if it had just yeah 
it's been your two families that showed up the first time or the second time, eventually Mm -hmm. it would grow. So I always encourage it. Do you just know one other person? Just meet with them and see what happens because it will take off and putting your name on the map helps a ton because if you're thinking, I wish there was a group nearby me, it's more than likely there's somebody else thinking the same thing that just doesn't want to kind of head it up. (laughs) That's kind of scary too. It's even scary for me who's definitely an extrovert and I love being around people and I love a party. (laughs) But even for me, it was a little bit scary to put my neck out like that. a mom that is in a community that doesn't have a lot of homeschoolers I really need this community to connect even if it's just on Instagram just that daily reminder that there's so many mamas out there that are in the same boat as me just sharing that kinship between us all about um, just creating this wonderful wild and free childhood for our children and instilling all these wonderful character traits from these living books and uh, just having those special moments on the living room One of the main things I really appreciate about this community is just the way that everyone supports one another and honors each other and like the beauty they see in one another and there's just no competition or comparison. So I just love the camaraderie. I just love the feel of just the camaraderie and just the kindred spirits and just how we're all part of the same tribe. Just encouraging and you feel like everybody's your best friend. wild and free groups look so different but what I love about them is just that it's not about what we're doing it's not about how we teach Mm -hmm. our children it's really about what unifies us that brings us together it's just a feeling it's kind of just a vibe that we want something different for our kids we want to focus on giving our kids a childhood we want them to have a lot of time in nature we want them to Mm. have the pressure off for a little while so that they can grow at their own pace so it's Mm -hmm. kind of a Mm like-mindedness but it doesn't mean that we don't have other things that we value as well or that we don't have different ways of teaching our kids or homeschooling or schedules Mm -hmm. and I think that some groups are growing so rapidly Jillian Ragsdale Mm -hmm. actually wrote a piece for the kinship bundle about wild and free groups and just what they mean to her but also she headed one up and it now has 50 families and this is a private group she keeps it private so that people contact her they can vet it to Mm -hmm. see if it's a good match partly because not all people are looking for just a nature group or something like that it's not that they don't do mom's nights out and things like that but they have subgroups within their group because how do you possibly get to know 50 people at an outing you know and that's just Mm -hmm. the families you know that's not the number of kids so they have subgroups even they have a wild explorers club group they have a group with moms with kids five and under they do occasional moms night out so you get to know people in different ways and just because you find a wild and free group doesn't mean that they're all going to be your kindred best friend you're going right, to hopefully right. find someone within that group that can be a great connection and take it from there that's amazing yeah i know 50 yeah. families and- And I like how you can be as intentional as you want with these groups. Our group so far hasn't been really intentional. We just meet for fun. We just want the kids to be able to play and then the moms can interact with each other. But we're still kind of trying to figure out our rhythm. Hey there. If you're curious about what's included in our monthly content bundles, you can get a free sample by going to bewildandfree.org slash bundles and clicking the brown bar at the top of the page. Or if you're ready to subscribe, sign up by this Saturday, May 20th. You'll not only get this month's current bundle, Kinship, 
but you'll also get last month's bundle nature and you'll receive a print sampler in the mail next month when our new journey bundle comes out. To learn more, just go to bewildandfree.org bundles. Before Wild and Free Groups existed, I hosted a local book club for kids, and I don't feel like I'm a great organizer, so it wasn't something that I naturally (laughs) wanted to organize, but I really wanted my kids to be a part of something like that. I thought, what is going to make homeschooling special for my children versus public school? You know, we can sit at home and do school, or I can make it about experiences, and I wanted them to have learning experiences, and especially with books, because they mean so much to me and my education Mm -hmm. growing up, so I wanted to create a book club for kids. But I wanted them to have experiences with other kids that were around learning, not just, you know. Yes, exactly. I'm actually really curious of how a book club works. I've never been a part of one and I've never started one. Do you guys read, you know, a chapter a week and then discuss the chapter? How does that work? How we did it was we just read the whole book. You know, we had a list of books. People threw out ideas at the beginning. And so I would pick a book out of that list and say, let's read it. And then let's meet next month. And we'd pick a date. So they'd read it beforehand and then we'd finish the book completely before we met together. The gathering was kind of a celebration and, you know, we tried to make it thematic with the food. So we just tried to come up with games and activities and then we just had a discussion. Who was your favorite character? What was your favorite part? And then I'd have a list of questions. It's really cool how much kids pick up because even when we started the Chronicles of Narnia series, I did not think my three-year-old would really be that into it. But he has soaked every bit of it Mm -hmm. up and I'll Mm -hmm. even hear him explaining to my husband been you know what the last chapter was about I mean they really are like sponges I have one son that doesn't love reading but he just knowing that there was a book club wanted to read the book you know because they look forward to that gathering they look forward to the party and the celebration with other kids so it made them all the more excited to read the book We are about to listen in on a conversation between Jennifer Pepito and Tony Weber. These are two veteran homeschooling mamas. In fact, Tony has five kids, four sons and one daughter, and she has been homeschooling for over 25 years. Four have graduated, but she's working on her last one, Noah, at home. Let's join the conversation. I think a lot of families struggle, even as their kids get older and are able to sit quietly, to carve out time to read aloud. And I'm not sure if it's partly that we don't value reading out loud or if it's partly that we just feel like there's so many other things that are more important. How do you prioritize reading out loud compared to, for instance, grammar or math? Well, I really value reading out loud because I just enjoy the time that it promotes with us being together, just sitting together. Or sometimes we do it at night and Noah will just lie in bed with Mark and I, and I will read or Mark will read. And, you know, our little family unit, a lot of nights, it's just the three of us now because my other kids are grown and I have one of them still living at home, but the others are grown and out of the house. So for one thing, we can all fit on my bed now. (laughs) But I just love that time together. And I think that I don't want to let go of it as long as Noah is still enjoying listening to us read aloud and he doesn't feel like we're twisting his arm to do it. I'm going to keep doing it. I love how Sarah McKenzie talks about building a family culture around Mm -hmm. books. And I think that that's a big part of reading aloud as a family. Even if you're reading to older kids who could be reading to themselves, what you're doing is you're building shared discussions and you're building shared memories and shared vocabulary. Yes. Oh, Jen, exactly. All of those things. 
I can't tell you how many times throughout the year that my husband, Mark, has walked in the room during some portion of a read aloud, and I've had a question or some sort of passage has inspired a conversation, and the three of us will start talking about it. And it's just in those moments, I just feel like, oh, this is what I love. This is what I love about reading aloud. This is one of the gems of reading aloud is the conversation it inspires. And when your kids are getting older, you know, going through the teen years, I think conversations, having conversations about all kinds of things is just so, it's so good. It's so meaty. Like I feel like there's so much education in that alone. Right. And I think that that is one of the special things about homeschooling is that our kids actually have time for us to read to them and have a conversation. I don't know why schools, public, private, feel like they have to load kids up with so much homework. What it really does is it kills any time there could be for reading out loud as a family and then having a discussion around the books. I know it's quite heartbreaking, I think, you know, with how busy they can become going through school in that way. So one of the podcasts I did for Wild and Free, and it's in the bundles, was with Cindy Rollins, whose child actually did end up going to public school in high school, but he had done homeschool math with her and then was able to go into high school and do really good on his math. How have you helped your older kids as they've transitioned into higher level math? Well, here's my secret. They didn't take higher level math. (laughs) Oh, yay. That's like so liberating. Oh, goodness. Yeah. You know, not one of them, and I don't see Noah going this direction either. You know, Mark and I have had this conversation many times. They weren't going in a direction where they were really going to need to study higher math. You know, we felt like what they accomplished was sufficient for, you know, life, getting along well in life and doing whatever they were going to do. They didn't need more than pretty much basic math. Wow, that's honestly, seriously liberating, because I'm not sure about every state standard, but I know in California, you're supposed to have algebra. And then in my head, I'm just like, well, they might as well do as much math as they can. So my son tonight, my 16 year old was at his college, he's taking college algebra two, and it was his final tonight. Mm -hmm. But it's not and it's really been for him, not the funnest semester, because it was very time consuming to do that math. Mm -hmm. And really, maybe he won't need it. Maybe it's not what he's interested in doing in life. And so I think that is one thing that as families, one reason we just have to know what our vision Mm -hmm. is, because if not, we just try to do everything and really wear out ourselves and our kids trying to figure out how to do it. Right. And unless your child is showing a desire and a great interest to go into a field where you know they absolutely are going to need to go to college because that's just the way it is. For instance, if a child wants to be a veterinarian or a doctor or something, you're going to have to go to college. (laughs) That's just the system, right? So you definitely want to be taking the path that prepares them to go through that system and succeed in that system. But if your kids, if you see that they're not going that direction and their heart's not in it, I personally, Mark and I never felt like, well, we want you to go to college regardless, you know, if this is important to us. 
it just wasn't important to us unless it was important to them, then we would be behind them 100%. Which is a really probably a smart way to look at it, especially when you think about how many kids end up graduating college and in debt and then still not necessarily ahead of the game financially. Yeah. One of my daughter-in-laws, she went to college. She was starting the college path and went for one year, was thinking she was going to work towards being a lawyer. And after one year, she completely had a change of mind and wanted her life to go a different direction. And so she did not finish college and she is still paying off that year loan. And that was years ago. So I've met so many young people that just sort of step into that because it's what's expected and it's what everybody does. And they wish if they took, you know, a little time to just think, hey, wait a minute, what do I really want to do here? Or just give it a little more thought than just being kind of moved along with the flow of everyone else. (laughs) My daughter had several friends from her summer camp job who were at private colleges. And she was like, how can they afford to do it? But I think that the reality is, most students just take on the debt, not really thinking about what it's going to mean to them later on when they're trying to start a family or do something else. Yeah, Yeah. it's a big deal. Tell me about something that you didn't love about this school year and how you're going to do it differently next year. Well, I don't feel like we've had a bad year by any means. No, not at all. I feel like there's always room for improvement and I'm always wanting to recognize areas where I can improve. I feel like it's really important important, especially at the end of a school year when it's coming to a close, to just allow that school year to close, you know, and to focus on the good that you accomplished and the things you feel good about and just move into your summer feeling free, free from that year. That year's said and done and you have next year to look forward to and hopefully, you know, make improvements in any area where you felt like maybe you were lacking. I always, at the end of the school year, I interview my kids and I ask them what things they loved about the year and what things they didn't love. Mm. And for most of my kids, math was the thing they didn't love about the year. <laughs> and then and then the things that they did love were, were often field trips or things that we did with friends or books that we read. Right. So yeah, I love the idea of just moving into the summer and kind of letting go of the mm-hmm. whole school year and recognizing that your kids probably learned everything they needed to learn mm-hmm. and that anything they didn't learn, they'll learn next year. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's a great perspective and mindset to keep. For the summer, though, even though you don't do school, is it pretty much a free-for-all? People can do what they want every day? Or do you still keep some kind of a routine? I feel like I have these two homeschool lives. When all my older kids were still home and then now with Noah... So yeah, well, when all of my older kids were home, I feel like probably the first, you know, three or four weeks just felt like, ah, free for all, you know, nobody wanted to feel like we had to follow a schedule and we could be so spontaneous and do this or do that. And then once we kind of got that out of our system, I started to feel like, okay, we need a little more structure here in our day. (laughs) A little more, just a little more routine, even though we didn't do school. I always tried to keep reading aloud, you know, and keeping that time of day um, regular, but we followed kind of a life schedule. You know, there were regular times of the day where we were eating together or doing chores or running errands, like that kind of schedule kept us from being too wild. But as far as school went, I pretty much opened the gates. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so basically you kept a good rhythm, yeah. but you just didn't require any score. And then tell me about like, I know every family in Wild and Free is so different with their policies on electronics and media. So for our family, like as my school year kind of slows down a little bit, I will let my kids have, you know, maybe a couple episodes of like Andy Griffith yeah. a day or yeah. maybe I, I just actually despise seeing my kids play video games. Mm-hmm. So I haven't figured out how to be reasonable about that because I just, for some reason, I don't like them at yeah, all. I understand. But I'd love to hear. <laughs> I totally, I totally and, and I feel bad about that sometimes because I have boys and I know sometimes boys like to play video games, but they just, for some reason, I just don't like them. So I'd love to hear though, maybe you even have a more reasonable policy, but for Wild and Free listeners, just a little bit about your policy on electronics over the summer, because it is a time when theoretically vegging out should be slightly more appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And yet, still, we don't want our kids' brains to turn to mush. So No, exactly. And I feel like that's been something I've had to deal with and manage so, so, so much more with Noah than I did with my older kids, because this is a whole nother conversation, actually. It's a whole nother podcast, Jen. Right. <laughs> anyway, just with Noah kind of, you know, once the older kids started growing up and starting their own lives, Noah in some sense has been similar to like an only child and also just devices and the computer just was a lot more prevalent in the last years than it had been when my other kids were growing up. So it's been something we've definitely had to manage and keep track of. But to answer your question, we just try to stay in really just good, honest communication about it all. And just um, we set up boundaries. You know, Mark and I have talked about what we feel comfortable with. And we've, you know, Noah knows those limits, and he stays within them. And that's just pretty much the the simple answer right there. (laughs) Right, right. And I know, you know, it's like I've heard of some families who are able to to let their kids just have a free-for-all with media and then at some point their kids get it out of their system and they're able to self-manage and then other families have hours or they can earn time or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's just so many different ways of dealing with media. Right. You know, in some ways, the whole issue is just such a new issue, too, that we don't even really understand how it's going to play out because nobody's had access to like hours and hours and hours of media a day mm-hmm. like we do I now. I know. It's been so interesting. And when my older kids were growing up before Noah came along, and then when he did come along, you know, he was quite little. He's seven years younger than my fourth child. So they pretty much had each other to play with and keep busy. And and then as Noah got a little bit older, it just became more challenging because he didn't have the sibling group that they had to be busy. And I just felt like, wow, my whole parenting dynamic here has totally changed, you know? Absolutely. And and that's one reason I really love like the class that my daughter taught this year, because I feel like if my boys, my teen boys have community that they're learning with, they're not really that interested in, in media unless mm-hmm. working on a movie together or they're occasionally playing video games together. Yeah. It's when they're all by themselves and they have no one to talk to and they get bored and they get lonely. That's when they really want to be on a device. Mm-hmm either talking to people or playing a video game or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's so many ins and outs of parenting in this time in history. Oh, there sure is. I agree. Yeah. So, 
Well, I'm very excited about summer. I'm excited about, I've been trying to figure out how I could get to family camp, but I know family camp's coming up for Wild and Free the end of August, and that would be an amazing way to get kids off the couch and out in the beautiful outdoors. Yeah. And then I'm so excited to see you, Tony, in September at the Wild and Free conference. Oh, yeah. Me too, Jen. I'm so it's, excited it's, about that. I know. I wish it was closer. I wish it was tomorrow, honestly, but I'm so excited that we'll all get to be together yeah. in Nashville. I've never been to Nashville. I haven't either. I haven't either. I'm looking forward to it. And it's going to be here before you know it. Really? That's right. This summer is going to fly <laughs> by is. and hopefully we'll all get some beach days and a little bit of time to relax in the meantime. Yes, I'm planning on it. Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it, Jen. Are you going to do it? <laughs> I'm going to do it. Okay. <laughs> so thanks for taking the time to chat, well, Tony. Thank you for wanting to chat with me. It's been fun. Sometimes people will write to me and say, wild and free sounds so wonderful. I'd stumbled upon it and I love the concept of it. They say, I wish I would have discovered wild and free sooner because I've done it the wrong way. And my kid doesn't love learning. They're disinterested. Mm -hmm. They don't love nature. We don't do this. Is it too late for my child? Is it too late for me to start over? Those kind of questions always break my heart because I just want to scream, no, it's never too late. You can do it. It's never too late. And I truly believe that. I don't have experience with an older child, but I do have the experience with Wyatt where somewhere in the middle of first grade, it hit me that my child had lost his childhood already. Mm, Didn't know anything about homeschooling. I just mourned the loss of his childhood. But I remember telling myself, you know what? Buck up, mama. This happens. Kids grow up. They go to school. But I couldn't rid myself of the feeling that this wasn't natural. It was too young. It wasn't the right time. Sure, I'm not going to ever keep my child from growing up and his natural pace, but he lost it. And his childhood had been swept out from under him and the light went out in his eyes. I saw it. The spark was gone. He was already dull. And I remember just mourning the loss of that. And then when I felt suddenly the answer was to bring him home. I'm going to homeschool him. Let's do this. I started getting really excited about it. I knew we were going to stop it. But I didn't know that we could get anything back. I just thought, okay, what's lost is lost. But he's only in the first grade. So when I start homeschooling him in the second grade, we'll just go forward. How much could he have really lost in that little bit of time? Second grade came, we were homeschooling, and I remember about four months in seeing him delight in things that he never would have been delighting in the year before, playing with his younger siblings, enjoying childish things. And my heart just felt so full. And I remember feeling inside of me that not only had he stopped the track that Wyatt was on, but that Mm -hmm. what was lost had been restored Mm -hmm. and that we were almost starting over again. And I saw it before my eyes. I remember thinking, not only has Wyatt not continued on just in his dulled over, everything glazed over, just going through the motions, he's actually gone back and he's delighting in things that he hasn't in in over a year. His childhood, and we just started over. So I don't don't have the experience of an older child, but I still believe with all my heart that it's never too late. I think too, it really has to be a one year at a time thing. I know I've mentioned that before, but if you do see that your child is struggling a little bit or you just need a change of pace, I don't think it's too late. I think at any age, you can kind of assess where you're at and make a decision at that point. If you 
think homeschooling would be the right choice, then I don't think there's ever a point where it's too late. I remember talking to my brother's wife. Her mother is an amazing woman. She started a homeschooling co-op out in California and her son is now, I think he's almost 19, but he is a writer. He's writing a book right now in an amazing order. I mean, he just is so well-spoken, just a really, really neat kid. And I remember asking his mom for some advice and I asked her, when did Taylor begin reading? Because I knew she was going to say, you know, oh, two or three, (laughs) he was, you know, reading these novels. I just expected her to say that. And she said he didn't start reading until he was 10 years old. And I was shocked by that. But it was actually also so encouraging to me just realizing that kids learn things at different ages and different stages of life, you know. So I think no matter what age your child is, if you're seeing that they're struggling with something Mm -hmm. or if there's something going on, just like you just having that intuition with Wyatt, you know, you're their mother and you decide what is best for them. And if that means pulling them out and keeping them at home and nurturing them and helping them grow and thrive in a home taught setting, then by all means do it because I think that's the best thing for kids is for you to be able to help them and teach them and allow them to grow. You may have heard Jennifer Pepito mention our Wild and Free Family Camp happening this summer in Buena Vista, Colorado. We have just a few more spots available and we would love to have you there. For more information, visit bewildandfree.org slash family camp. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but join us next week for the Wild and Free Podcast. (laughs) 